Do your daily dose of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back. Not ever. North is still north. People can yell at you. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell radio program. Hello, America, and beyond the fruited plain, welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio Program, your source for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday. 15 busy broadcasting hours of fabulosity every week. Remember, you can follow along. Wendy Bell Radio Network app, free to download. You can watch the live stream all three hours. The stuff that happens in the commercial breaks, I think sometimes is better than the real show. You can also get the podcast, Wendy Bell Radio. We've got one and a half million downloads and growing. You can join the family as always. We are delighted to be with you today. Welcome home. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. So the theme of today's show, if there's a title and we put one on the live stream every day, Will you be able to handle the truth? That is today's idea. And I'm going to start today with a question of each of you listening. Which would you rather? Would you prefer to live willfully blind or unknowingly ignorant? Be bopping through your day, doing what you do. Tending to your life and not really knowing the news, the real news. Or would you like to be awake and aware and angry and active? It's a, it's a serious question because I get at some point people are like, I'm, I got too much going on. I got to tap out somewhere. I cannot be deeply entrenched. In digging into how disgusting the world is around me, the politics, the people, the narratives, the control, the desire for money, the overarching Truman show, it feels like we're in. I just got to scrape by as well as I can, hope to doggy paddle, keep my head above the water. I get it. There's something to be said for that. What you don't know doesn't drive you crazy. But once you open the door to knowledge, you can't close it. There is no flex seal that's going to stop the water pouring in once that hull is cracked. And sadly, what happens is as you are flooded by knowledge and your suspicions push you to seek out information from a variety of sources, you begin to awaken and realize 
You've probably been lied to for a lot longer than you could possibly imagine. And it's a delicate act. Managing your life and being angry and doubting basically everything you hear, but trying to stay positive and focused and a strong role model for the people you love and to be a good human being, it can be difficult. And so I get that. But I have to say that every single day we're finding more and more of the drip, drip, drip of reality, of the truth that we have been prevented from receiving for so long. This video that's come out of January 6th. There is a reason people wish for us to be in the dark. There is a reason why Congress slow walks and stonewalls and tries to run out the clock. There's a reason why elected officials delay and refuse to appear and obfuscate until they are pushed by the power of a subpoena to show up. And even then, they're not forced in any kind of honest sense to tell the truth. We know that Dr. Fauci has lied to us about numerous things. We know that Alejandro Mayorkas lies for a living. We know Joe Biden is the the living political embodiment of farcical generations of lying. But January 6th was a special slice of evil because there were thousands of people who were caught in the crosshairs of a trap. And the story that was spun to us has been so abused so used to go after good people to create necessary smoke screens to keep us busy so that we don't pay attention to the true offenders. January 6th was a smoke screen for the November 2020 election. You know it. I know it. And they know that we know it. And so we are living every single day a series of lies, of false narratives, of silly topics. The skin parasite, be afraid. This new pneumonia-like virus or something going on in China, you should worry about that too. But the January 6th thing was a special slice of darkness because the video that's come out which we have asked for from the very beginning, set the record straight. The video shows the police officers in their own ineptitude and their own excessive force created the lion's share of the madness we watched on January 6th from our home television sets as every single media outlet said the same thing. They were aghast at an insurrection. Isn't that interesting? Police tear gassed their own people and the wind blew it back on them and gassed them all out. Ineptitude on the highest level. Some police officers thought it was their time to be big shots. And the excessive force is absolutely indefensible. Roseanne Boyland is still waiting for her day of justice. We'll keep you posted. Posthumously. 
And for the better part of two and a half years now, this narrative of MAGA extremism, of this love of America and this appreciation for and of Donald Trump, which made each and every single one of us an enemy, has been planned, manipulated, calculated, and disturbingly executed by people who, from the very beginning, knew what they were doing. And their objective trumped your liberty. It superseded the facts. It defied all imagination. And if you were one of the many out there who questioned what happened, they had many fail-safes to help them. They had a media quick to, to fact check and to debunk anybody who had an alternate view of things, which would have been reality. Social media companies were able to swoop in and silence the reach of those of us who dared to ask questions. And of course, all of this was comfortably nestled under the umbrella of a virus, which they similarly released upon us in an effort to force us to do something many of us didn't want to do. All of it has been a test. How easily manipulated are you? How controllable are you? Masks showed them a very compliant and willing to follow orders population. Those of us who stood up and pushed back, they tried to keep quiet. Now, the, the beautiful part of this story is that it does not end with the corrupt, the scumbags, the dirt balls winning. It doesn't. Because once you've been awakened, there's no one going back down. There's no going back down for a nap. You're awake. You see it. You question everything. And that you must. I will remind you of this. Over the weekend, a little girl who turned four years old in the company of strangers because her parents had been murdered by Hamas. A little girl turned four years old in the control of Hamas barbarians. She's a dual Israeli-American citizen. And she was released as part of this hostage swap All the games, all the power, all the money and the control doesn't seem to mean anything when you put yourself into the body of that little child who may have very well seen the execution of the two people in her life she could trust implicitly. And now she will go on to live with that memory if she remembers it's not a game when there's collateral damage like that. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. There we go. <laughs> when we come back. Why Donald Trump said, this will not end well. This lopsided hostage release deal. Why he says, ain't going to end well. We got to hear this next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. 
So I found it interesting in the first two rounds of this hostage swap, which mathematically to me is a very lopsided deal. How Hamas is going to allegedly let go 50 people and Israel has 150 prisoners. So Hamas is going to release innocent people whom they abducted. Right. And and then Israel is going to is going to release 150 people who've been found by some level of law in order in the country to have broken the law. Whether you murdered people, stabbed people, whatever you did, there's a reason you're in prison there. And so Israel is supposed to release 150 people, Hamas 50, and it's sort of like, we'll give you 10 more for every day of good behavior. Really? And in rounds one and two, Friday and Saturday, there were zero, zero Americans. That is a fine hostage negotiation deal managed by Joe Biden. Now, the White House, there's some big climate nonsense going on in what dubai we're going to go to one of the most you know wealthy places on planet earth and we're going to talk about climate so joe biden's not going to go because he's too busy managing the the machinations of this war in the middle east he's got to be there to help out said nobody with a functioning cerebral cortex donald trump however had a different take How did you not get any freaking Americans out? This is not going to end well. Trump makes chilling prediction after zero Americans were freed in the first two days of Israel-Hamas hostage deal as he blasts Biden and warns Hamas wants a better deal before releasing U.S. citizens. This is the U.K. Daily Mail. Isn't it interesting where we get our, our news from? Ain't here in America. Donald Trump Saturday warned that the Israel-Hamas ceasefire agreement is not going to end well, accusing negotiations and negotiators of making a bad deal and pointing out no Americans have been released. The ceasefire went into effect, by the way, that little girl is the first one, dual citizen, Israel-American. Ceasefire went into effect 7 a.m. local time Friday. Since then, this is a story from yesterday, 41 of the 240 hostages have been released. 24 Friday, 17 Sunday, 13 Israeli women and children, 10 Thai citizens, one Filipino, all freed. However, zero Americans. Zero. And so Trump posts on Truth Social. Has anybody noticed that Hamas has returned people from other countries, but so far has not returned one American hostage. There is only one reason for that. No respect for our country or our leadership. This is a very sad and dark period for America. Hamas now wants a better deal for hostages. This is not going to end well. Now, Hamas is believed to have delayed the release owing to unhappiness about the quantity of aid arriving in Gaza, which is a key part of the deal. This deal sucks. What kind of deal is this? We're going to give you supplies ostensibly to help the people. And we know that Hamas is in charge of the people who it uses as its own human shields. So we're going to think that whatever we're going to send for, quote unquote, the people is going to go anywhere other than Hamas. Like anybody, Bueller. Am I wrong here? We looking at something differently. Why are we doing this? But Joe Biden, he's so busy with these negotiations.
which just suck for the Americans. And we don't even know how many. Because we ask our people, they're like, well, you know, hard to say. Hard to say. The Palestinian Health Ministry, which is code for the front of Hamas, tells us it's this, and uh, we think we can believe them. Uh Uh-huh. Has anybody noticed, this is Trump, has anybody noticed that Hamas has returned people from other countries, but so far has not returned one American hostage? How is this a deal? Israel, in return, is freeing 150 Palestinians currently in their jails, including that 19-year-old woman or that girl who stabbed a 19-year-old Israeli soldier and stole his gun, who CNN wanted to glorify and did a feature puff piece story around her mom saying, I can't wait to have my daughter back. Well, maybe she shouldn't stab people. Perhaps that's just me. Joe Biden is currently on the island of Nantucket. For the Thanksgiving break, staying, sponging off yet another billionaire. You know, it's bad news if Clarence Thomas does that. Don't travel with somebody on his private plane. But Joe Biden, by all means, Nantucket, I'm sure they're delighted to welcome Joe Biden, who we see in photographs walking around with various people in his family, doing some Black Friday shopping, getting some deals as you guys are all scrambling to make ends meet. It does not end well, says President Trump. And I noticed this is very interesting to watch. Watch the glorification of this prisoner exchange, right? These kids, I saw a little boy be reunited with his mom, his dad, and an older sibling. Looks like a a young man, perhaps in his early 20s. Young boys, maybe nine. He had a fresh haircut. He had clean clothes on, had a brand new pair of sneakers, had a Rubik's Cube in his hand, and was very excited to see his family as though nothing had happened. Yeah, I wasn't just 50 days with a bunch of freaking barbarians who put babies in, in ovens and rape dead bodies. You know, I, it was all good. It, it was good. I'm a little behind in school. Maybe we can, uh, you know, crank that up a notch. This is going to be the narrative. Oh, progress. How wonderful. Wonderful. I'm awake. And that is why I had to pause it. I had that question for you. Would you rather be awake and see things through the eyes of reality? Or would you prefer to stay comfortably numb and just bebop along like a beach ball on the on the ocean? Either way, I get your answer. Either way. All right, coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program, the Derek Chauvin case. The George Floyd villain get stabbed in prison over the weekend what i wonder why boy is there a lot more to this story next derek chauvin they wanted you to forget about him they wanted to they want you to forget about that whole chapter that precipitated the riots that sparked that hellscape of mostly peaceful protests as buildings are in an inferno blazing behind the reporter from CNN. Admittedly, Derek Chauvin and the optics of what he did are terrible. 
If I if I had been there and I had honest to God, it would have taken everything I had to not be screaming at the top of my lungs. Get off of him. And then the three police officers standing by. Awkwardly not really knowing what to do. What do you mean you don't know what to do? You can handcuff a guy. And I realize if he's on some elixir of drugs, they can have a lot of strength. But by golly. That was the kiss of death for Derek Chauvin. He gave them everything that they wanted. And when George Floyd died, and by the way, let's not lose sight of the fact that the medical examiner who did his autopsy said Derek Chauvin didn't kill him. There was no way that man was not going to be found guilty. He wasn't going to be strung up on the flagpole and he wasn't going to be punished as the face of the narrative that cops hate black people. What an awful, awful narrative. Purposeful. And then assisted by that particular chain of events. So I get this article from Sky News. I had to search for something that wasn't an American media. Because I don't trust any of them. I heard over the weekend, Derek Chauvin had been stabbed in prison. This should not be complicated. It should not be complicated to figure out who did it. You have cameras everywhere. You don't know because you don't want us to know. So here's your story. Skynews.com. Derek Chauvin, former police officer convicted of murdering George Floyd, stabbed in prison. 47-year-old attacked by a fellow inmate in prison in Arizona on Friday, according to a law enforcement official familiar with the incident. A former Minneapolis police officer convicted of murdering George Floyd, stabbed in prison, attacked by another inmate, Arizona. Law enforcement officials said U.S. Bureau of Prisons confirmed the inmate an inmate had been assaulted at the Federal Correctional Institution of Tucson at around 12.30 p.m. local time Friday. In a statement, the agency said prison staff performed, quote, life-saving measures before the inmate, who it did not name, was taken to a hospital for further treatment and evaluation. He wasn't stabbed in the leg, ladies and gentlemen. He was stabbed in his person. Where he probably almost died, if we're taking what they said at face value. Chauvin was sent to FCI Tucson from a maximum security Minnesota state prison in August of 2022 to serve a 22-year sentence for the second-degree murder of George Floyd. He was also sentenced to a concurrent 21-year sentence for violating Mr. Floyd's civil rights. Had to nail him on everything. It is what it is. Fine. However... It's not until you dig a little bit deeper, thanks to Miranda Devine, one of the few journalists out there who still remembers what it means to enterprise, to dig deeper, to scratch more than the surface. New York Post railroaded Derek Chauvin's foes. will stop at nothing to punish ex-cop as he's nearly killed in prison. And I want you to hear this because I also have a kick in the, in the pants for you. Relating to Derek Chauvin's mom, which I'll drop on you at the bottom of this hour. I guess it's no surprise that Derek Chauvin has been stabbed almost to death in prison. This is, this is where we are when we're awake. 
Are you surprised? Of course not. The Minneapolis cop convicted of murdering George Floyd has been thoroughly scrubbed of his personhood, let alone his rights. Nobody bothered to tell his family or his lawyer that another inmate, allegedly, had attacked him Saturday. Despite being the most notorious ex-cop in America, he wasn't protected from violent prisoners. The fact that he was in, that it was even in the ill-run federal prison in Tucson, Arizona, 1,638 miles away from his family, speaks volumes. He could hardly be further from home. Chauvin is more reviled than all of the pedophile rapists and sadistic serial killers in the land because someone was needed to embody the myth of systemic police racism that fueled the Democrats' 2020 campaign and created a frightening atmosphere of chaos and lawlessness that helped dislodge Donald Trump from the White House. I want to read that to you again. Someone was needed to embody the myth of systemic police racism that fueled the Democrats' 2020 campaign and created a frightening atmosphere of chaos and lawlessness that helped dislodge Donald Trump from the White House. What could they do with this? Think bigger than starting riots. Think think bigger than activating the clone troopers' homing devices. Think bigger than mobilizing every college campus person who can't think critically for themselves, but goes along the wave of activism. It led to the defunding of our police departments. It led to the rampant criminal enterprises, well beyond the cartels, which already operate with impunity in our country. But all your local neighborhood gangbangers and thieves given carte blanche. It led to the installation of George Soros-funded district attorneys and prosecutors. It led to that overarching feeling that I think the majority of you, you feel, certainly depending on where you live, that walking alone down the street doesn't necessarily make you feel as safe as it used to. All of that ushered in using Derek Chauvin as the poster boy. In the wake of Floyd's death, anarchists were given the green light to riot and burn and loot and kill in an orgy of anti-cop violence that threatened to engulf the country. Fear. Fear is a great motivator, especially when COVID wasn't continuing to do it. The corrupt political manipulators who engineered the unrest and the cowardly agents of the state who staged the courtroom railroading of Chauvin would like nothing better than for him to be dead to save them from exposure. That exposure surely is coming as an injustice so clear cannot stand in a country that still believes in the rule of law. Liz Collins' stunning documentary, The Fall of Minneapolis, is only the start. Now, the Supreme Court last week refused Chauvin's long-shot request to review his 2021 murder conviction. Can you imagine if the high court had said, yes, we will, and then would have to go down the evidence trail and would have to exonerate him if we're just being honest about what the true medical examination showed? 
if we could be honest for a minute about anything in this country. And then you would have a civil war. They couldn't take it. One man's life, one must argue, in a land of crazy, is a lot easier to swallow than rampant combat and violence, which is assuredly what we would see. I remember, because I was a reporter in St. Louis, Missouri, for the NBC station there, and I remember when the O.J. Simpson verdict came out, and they had to acquit him because of the glove thing, right? Can you imagine if O.J. Simpson had been found guilty, what would have happened? in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our zip codes. Derek Chauvin's lawyers argued he had been denied a fair trial because Hennepin County Judge Peter Cahill refused to move to a venue outside of Minneapolis. You know, that little thing that might have given him some semblance of a shot. Despite massive pretrial publicity and the prejudicial impact of angry mobs outside the courthouse, causing jurors to express fear for their own safety. How are you not going to find them guilty when you know that there are thugs outside the door who want to know who the hell you are, who will have no problem finding out your name and your address? In a courthouse surrounded by barbed wire and National Guardsmen, if that didn't send a clear, ma- a clear enough message to the ramifications of a not guilty verdict, of course, there was Representative Maxine Waters who flew into town to rabble rouse. The Democratic Congresswoman urging protesters who were attacking police and defying a curfew to get more confrontational. If Chauvin was acquitted, stay on the street because we're looking for a guilty verdict, she said, as if the sacked city demoralized police force and soaring crime weren't trouble enough. And Joe Biden, of course, no better. While the jury was deliberating, the president said he was praying for a conviction. I'd forgotten about that. He said the summer of riots had, quote, unified people of every race and generation in peace. And claimed Floyd's death had, quote, ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism that is a stain on our nation's soul. How dare you? How dare you? One man, the freaking whipping boy for your Filthy narrative that, by the way, Martin Luther King 60 years ago had helped to eradicate. And you pulled off the scab because you were running out of plays. So pardon me if there are times on this program when I am angry because I am awake and I see And I share. And now it's up to you to determine who you want to be. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program, what Derek Chauvin's mom said. Next. Next. 
How about this? Derek Chauvin's mom responds to her son's stabbing, says she found out through the media because prison never contacted her. Are you guys surprised? Are you at all surprised? There is no care or concern because we are at war. We are at war. It's not coming. It's not building. It's not bubbling. It's not simmering. It's not. The ingredients aren't all coming together. It's already there, friends. And it's boiled over. These people hate us. They hate. They will stop at nothing to surveil you, to ridicule you, to to demoralize you, to demonetize you, to erase you for simply loving America. Now, Derek Chauvin, did Derek Chauvin love America? I would presume so. I didn't know the guy. I don't know anything about him other than what we know about the stories that we are afforded. And by and large, I don't believe those either. But to not be able to tell a mother, how dare you? The Minnesota Attorney General's Office announced Saturday former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin is expected to survive... I can confirm that as of last night, Chauvin was expected to survive. Wow, thanks for your fine care and concern, says Derek Chauvin's mom, Carol, Carolyn Polenti, who says she had to find out about her son's stabbing and his condition through the media because prison officials never contacted her. Super duper. Quote, I can't even think what to say. She says, I haven't been to bed. I've made a path in my kitchen and living kitchen and living room floor by pacing. I am worried. I am scared. She said, I don't care. Your son is a cop who killed the face of a whole narrative and suffer. He must. We'll never find out who did it. There won't be any. Any restitution will be nothing. Please. By the way, I should remind all of you, as I did remind myself in my pre-dawn hours, Washington Examiner, May 29th, 2020, so that we're all on the same page here, before the narrative got molested, in the charges brought against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, a new finding shows the county medical examiner concluded the death of George Floyd was not a result of asphyxia or strangulation. An autopsy of Floyd was conducted Tuesday following his death on Monday after Chauvin restrained him for nearly nine minutes by pressing his knee on Floyd's neck. The full report by the Hennepin County Medical Examiner's Office is pending, but so far has found, quote, no physical findings that support a diagnosis of traumatic asphyxia or strangulation. George Floyd's underlying health conditions, including included coronary artery disease and hypertensive heart disease. The report says the underlying health conditions combined with Chauvin's restraint and any possible intoxicants in Floyd's system likely contributed to his death. So we know from the medical examiner who hours after George Floyd's death conducted the autopsy, who looked 
specifically and found no causal relationship, no strangulation. That's not how he died. That doesn't matter. The narrative and protecting it is all that matters. And if you're in the way, so be it. We care so little about you. We won't even tell people who love you that we didn't protect you because we don't care about you. We're just ticked that they didn't do a better job and finish you off. How can you sentence Enrique Tario to 22 years in a federal lockup for what he could have done but didn't do because he wasn't there on January 6th? And then how do you get a judge who okays a jury's verdict that that makes sense? How do you do that? I don't have answers for you, my friends. I don't know how threatened I would need to be as a juror on that panel. Did they handpick all 12 and four alternates to make sure that they were all on the take? To make sure that they got the verdict that they needed to send Enrique Tario away? And for the media to not cover it, just make sure you say that he was a proud boy or an oath keeper. I forget which one he was a part of. Whatever it was, it was extreme MAGA. Extremely dangerous. Super duper dangerous. So dangerous, in fact, video now from the Capitol show us people who are most assuredly not MAGA. Because we're a bunch of goofballs, guys. Let's Let's just call a spade a spade. Anybody who walks around with no shirt on, with horns on his head, carrying a flag, probably isn't about to threaten your democracy, okay? People went there wearing red, white, and blue. Stop the steal. I love Trump. The people who showed up and moved stealthfully and found just such an an interestingly placed two-by-four to then ram through the window... And then, of course, all of the film crews nearby to capture it. So helpful to have Nancy Pelosi's documentary-making daughter on scene to get just the right angles. Look, I don't care what our story is that we're going to talk about today. You're going to see the setup. You'll see the setup. You'll see the people awakening. You'll see the pushback against them. Call them conspiracy theorists, tinfoil hat wearers, right-wing MAGA extremists, domestic terrorists, whatever. You see it. I see it. And you're going to see it more coming up next. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell radio program. We're going to do a little, little vaccine talk because I believe we're at the cusp of what might possibly be the bankrupting of Big Pharma. I'm going to tell you why and how vaccine injury plays into it next.